You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. When we follow him, when we follow Jesus, we no longer walk in darkness, but we have the light of life. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It simply means to believe upon him, to trust in him, to put your entire faith in him for the work that he completed on a cross. And when we do, the results are life and light for us. We can be like the blind man. I once was blind, but now I see. Jesus wasn't like anyone else who ever lived. His ways were powerful and yet still. As you listen to today's message, you'll learn with Pastor Dave about the ways of Jesus. When you become a follower of Jesus, your life changes. You no longer walk in the dark, but in the light, because Jesus is the light. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 8 as he begins his message, A Shining Light in the Midst of Darkness. John chapter 8, verse 12. Verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So let me begin with a little story. One night, while on maneuvers, a battleship found itself surrounded by darkness and fog. The lookout noticed that there was a light in a distant place, was shining in the midst of this darkness and shining in the midst of the fog that had surrounded everybody. Upon checking and noting the coordinates of the light, he went and informed the captain, who instantly realized that his battleship was on a collision course with another vessel. He shouted signals and instructed them, signal the ship, we're on a collision course. Advise you change course 20 degrees. They anxiously awaited the response. And finally, the response came and it countered. It said, advisable, you change your course 20 degrees. Captain became indignant. Captain started to get angry. And he singled back, I'm a captain. You change your course 20 degrees. Lo and behold, an arrogant voice came back at him. I'm a seaman second class. You better change your course 20 degrees. By this time, the captain was furious. Nobody had ever spoken to him like that, let alone a seaman second class. So he gets on the horn and he screams, I'm a battleship. Change your course 20 degrees. After some very, very tense moment, it came back. I'm a lighthouse. You make the call. <laughs> a light shining in the midst of the darkness can make all the difference in the world to those who are lost and are off course. A light shining in the midst of the darkness. 
We have been speaking at length now for quite some time about the Feast of Tabernacles. In fact, all of chapter 7 took place at that feast. We studied as Jesus called those who were spiritually thirsty to come to him and drink with the promises that out of them, out of their hearts would flow rivers of living water. But we need to make another point about the feast. According to tradition in the feast, it wasn't only about water. The feast was also about light. In fact, they had these golden lamps, these golden lampstands. They were very, very huge menorahs. And they lit up all Jerusalem during this festival. They were lit up all over the place. These represented the pillar of fire that led the Israelites during their time in the wilderness. And one of these giant lamps was in the temple itself. They gave off tremendous heat and light. But on the final day of the feast, these lights were extinguished. As I said, light and living water had been two extremely important parts of the Feast of Tabernacles. They are clearly messianic, and they are a prophecy that the light and the water are brought together with the appearance of the Lord on the Mount of Olives. You can read that in Zechariah 14. The Feast of Tabernacle is even imposed upon those who are visiting, those on the outside. They're called to come and drink of the water, come to the light. And if they refuse, if they refuse to come to the light, if they refuse to drink of the water, they will find themselves excluded from the benefits of the kingdom of God. You can find that also in Zechariah 14. I find that very interesting. Because likewise, those who do not come to the light of Jesus Christ and those who do not drink of his fountain of water they too will be excluded from the benefits of the kingdom of God. So as we come to today's scriptures, it is still the day after the feast concluded. The lamps had been distinguished. Jesus again is speaking in the temple. And, temple, and you remember last week, we studied that the Pharisees came and interrupted him with a woman who was caught in adultery. And they threw her at his feet. And you remember the story as we looked at it, and as they studied that. It was after this encounter that Jesus resumed speaking to the crowd that had gathered in the temple. And that's where we read in verse 12, then Jesus spoke to them again. He spoke to them again. His voice was once again heard. And as he speaks, he makes another bold claim which is pertinent to the feast. See, it's still connected. I am the light of the world, he says. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. It is believed that when Jesus said that, he was standing in front of those very large candlesticks. You see the symbolism here. You see what Jesus was trying to say. This is significant, extremely significant, because in the 40 years that Israel wandered in the wilderness, the tabernacle had been lit by the Shekinah glory of God. The Shekinah glory of God was a light in the tabernacle. You can find that in Exodus 40. And then later in 2 Chronicles 7, we see that the temple itself is filled with the glory of God, the Shekinah glory. But 
Because the people of Israel chose to live in darkness, Ezekiel tells us that there came a point in time when the light was removed. The glory of God had left. It had gone. It had since departed. So here stands Jesus, probably right in front of one of those huge menorahs that are now not lit. And he says, I am the light that gives life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the glory of God. The Shekinah glory of God has returned to lead you back to God. He who walks in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. I am the light of the world. Now, we have to take note that this is the second I am statement in the Gospel of John, of Jesus. The first one being, I am the bread of life. So now he says, he's the bread that sustains life. And now he says, he's the light that gives life. And the I am, when he says I am, and any time he mentioned I am, what was that? That's the name of God. I am. And the Jews knew that. This didn't fall on deaf ears. They knew that what he was saying. But in this statement, he both unashamedly identifies himself with the true and living God, and then he offers himself to the people once again as their Messiah. Offering himself once again as their Messiah. The significance is extremely clear and has meaning not only to the nation Israel, but for the entire world. When the children of Israel left Egypt, the Lord went before them of a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. Find that in Exodus 13. Not only is Jesus, our Lord, the guiding light of the nation Israel, but he's also what Isaiah was talking about in Isaiah 49.6, a light to the Gentiles. So the significance here is huge, and we can't go further until we realize this significance. To the point when the Apostle Paul was called to the Gentiles, he makes note of this very scripture, Isaiah 49.6, as a fulfillment of the mission that he was on. This is extremely important. Extremely important. So here is Jesus. Jesus is offering himself in an extremely personal way to be not only our light, but our salvation. Now, those of you who are biblical scholars, you must be thinking right now of Psalm 27, verse 1. The Lord is our light and our salvation. So Jesus is fulfilling. I said, hey, I am here. I am the light, and I'm the way to God. I'm right here before you, shining a light in the midst of a dark place. I'm right here. I am your Messiah. God and I are one. He is the Father. I am the Son. And when we follow him, when we follow Jesus, we no longer walk in darkness, but we have the light of life. What does it mean to follow Jesus? It simply means to believe upon him, to trust in him, to put your entire faith in him for the work that he completed on a cross. And when we do, the results are life and light for us. We can be like the blind man. I once was blind, but now I see. See, those who are not saved walk in darkness because they love darkness. See, one of the major premises and one of the major messages of John's gospel is the spiritual light is now shining in the midst of the darkness. But the people didn't comprehend it. They didn't understand it. In fact, 
They wanted to put it out. They tried. They hung him on a cross. But that did not extinguish the light. That didn't happen. Jesus is our guiding light. When we began the Gospel of John, when we studied the Gospel of John chapter 1, we found it said in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the Word was with God in the beginning. Jesus is the Word of God. He is the living Word of God. And therefore, if you go back to Psalm 119, 105, it says, Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet, a guide to, to my path. So as you follow Jesus through trusting him, through believing in him, he lights the way for our wandering hearts. We are to walk in the light of Jesus. And this brings us to John's first epistle. In John's first epistle, he says this beautiful statement beginning in chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. He says, if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But then the kicker is verse 7. But, I love buts in the Bible, changes direction completely. If you walk in darkness, you know, but, oh, I like that. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, speaking of Jesus, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all our sin. What a beautiful passage that is. Why? Light and dark are mutually exclusive. You either walk in light or you walk in darkness. Enter a dark room and you stumble around, tripping over things, stubbing your toe, hopping around on one foot, holding your foot as you stubbed your toe, tripping over something else and falling down. But when you turn on the light, the darkness flees, doesn't it? And you can see clearly. Light and darkness are exclusive. You either walk in the light or you walk in darkness. You cannot walk in both. You cannot walk in both. You cannot have fellowship with God and walk in darkness. If you say you have fellowship with God and you walk in darkness, John is saying, you're lying. Ouch. But if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Those of you who study the Greek language know that it's in the present perfect tense, and it should be translated continually cleanses us from all sin. Want to be continually cleansed from all sin? You want to be continually cleansed? Walk in the light, as Christ is in the light. Have fellowship one to another, and his blood continually cleanses us as we believe, as we trust. His blood continually cleanses me, and I am set free. On a practical level, this possession of Jesus as the light of our life should be reflected in our daily walk. We are now bearers of light. We are bearers of the light, and we are bearing that to a dark and terrible world. What we need to do, according to Romans 13, 12, is renew our faith day by day by taking upon ourselves the armor of light, all the while casting off the works of darkness. Cast off the works. See, that's an action, guys. That's an action. Putting on the armor of light, casting off the works of darkness. There's an action there. It's not just mouthing. There's an action there. I'm going to put on the armor of light. I'm going to put on Christ. 
And I'm going to walk in the light of Jesus Christ. And as I'm doing that, I'm going to give darkness the hand. No, I'm in the light of Christ. I'm in the light of Christ. Our source of light is only and solely found in Jesus Christ himself. Any light that we have is a pale reflection of his. The closer we walk to him, the brighter we shine. Get further away, gets a little bit dim, doesn't it? Sometimes the further away it gets, not only gets dim, it gets a little dingy too. You know, the planets revolve around the sun, S-U-N, and they give off the sun's light, don't they? Well, our world revolves around the S-O-N, and we are to give off His light, shine His light. Why? I can tell you quite simply, there's a war going on. There is a war going on in the universe, and the war is between light and darkness, good and evil. Light representing good, darkness representing evil. There is a war going on. Just go back to Genesis 1, 1 through 4. Genesis 1, 1 through 4. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. Interesting. God, first thing he wants to do is to bring order to the chaos. Separates the darkness and light. Bring order to the chaos. His first words in the Bible, let there be light. First words in the Bible, let there be light. This is also how God works in our lives. God wants to separate the light and the darkness in your life. He wants to separate. He wants you to walk in the light. He wants you to avoid and cast away the darkness. He wants you to walk freely and comfortably in the light. Paul, the apostle, speaks of this in his epistle, his second epistle to the Corinthian church, specifically in chapter 4, in verses 3 through 6. Let me read these. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of the darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light and the knowledge and the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What's Paul saying? Basically saying that the Lord God who created light in the physical world can fill your heart now with spiritual light even if you're blinded by the God of this age. And I love what one commentator said, quote, Satan's work of blinding is great, but God's work of bringing light is greater, unquote. God is the light, and Scripture says there is no darkness in him. Look at the world in which we live. First of all, we have to be politically correct because we don't want to offend anyone. There are millions upon millions of people today living in darkness. 
the darkness of drugs, the darkness of alcohol, the darkness of violence, the darkness of gambling, the darkness of lying, the darkness of stealing, the darkness of sexual immorality. There's so many people living in darkness. Why? Because in John 3, 19 through 21, it says, men prefer darkness rather than light. Because if I go into the light, exposes my sin. So I want to stay away from the light. I prefer it in the darkness so I can hide my sin. We see this in our everyday walk. People are living contrary to God's word. They're far from God's word. They see no problem with abortion. They see no problem with being prejudiced towards one another. They, they see no problem with sexual immorality. They see no problem with hatred. They see no problem with killing. They see no problem with all those sorts of these things. I mean, right has become wrong, and wrong has become right. There's, there's a strangeness going on. We need to quit looking at religion and the traditions of man to give us some resemblance of meaning and understanding. We need to search for the truth. Well, we're searching for it in all the wrong places. It's like that Mickey Gilly song, looking for love in all the wrong... Never mind. Anyhow, we're looking in the wrong places. We're searching for it in the wrong places. We're searching for it. We search for truth in a world that is full of nothing but lies and deceit. How are you going to find the truth in a world like that? It's like going into the room in pitch black trying to find something. I have trouble finding it in the light, let alone in the pitch black room. People are searching for the light in the land of darkness, and all they're finding is death and destruction. We cannot find the light. We try to manufacture it, and then it becomes a false light, a negative light. Draws people into darkness rather than light. Jesus is declaring to these people who are gathered here today, just like he's declaring to you, I'm here right now, and I have always been here. I am the light. Look unto me. Come unto me. Follow me. Notice he says, follow him. And I found some interesting things about this. You cannot follow someone unless you're willing to submit to them. can't follow someone if you're not willing to submit to them. If you don't see someone as a leader or as an authority person, you can't be following them. And you also must believe the one that you're following knows the way and the way that you want to go. Jesus said, if you follow him, you will never walk in darkness. What a wonderful, glorious promise. Follow Christ and not walk in darkness. See, the ones who choose to follow and continue to follow Jesus will always have a light to direct their paths. There will always be a light to direct their path. But the nature of man is to love the darkness, and the flesh has this major desire to return to that place of darkness. There's a battle going on. We must walk in the light as Christ is in the light. We must walk in the Spirit, and then, and only then, will we be victorious. Because Christ has completed it on the cross. The cross makes us victorious. But we must see ourselves attached to Christ. Jesus warned over and over again about walking in the light and avoiding the dangers of darkness. You are a sure.
We'd love to keep studying the Word of God with you again next time on A Sure Hope. In the meantime, we invite you to learn more about this program by visiting our website, assurehoperadio.com. There, you'll find our archive of previous messages from Pastor Dave Shank, available to listen to, download, or even share with your friends and family, all free of charge. Just look under the Messages tab. You can listen to additional teachings from this series in John or jump to another book of the Bible. Each book gives some useful insight into God's plan for you and the world you live in. We trust that A Sure Hope is an encouraging program for you. And if you're without a church family, we'd love for you to join us. If you happen to be in the Cape May area, we'd love to meet you in person for a time of worship and Bible study right here at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. We meet weekly on Sunday at 10 a.m. And you can find all the information you need by visiting assurehoperadio.com. If you live further away or are unable to come in person, we understand. And we'd still love for you to be a part of our church family virtually. You can join us for church online through Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just follow the links that are available at assurehoperadio.com. And don't forget to like and subscribe to keep up to date with the latest information. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us for this edition of Assure Hope.